Hello, my name is Krish. My name is Brandon. My name is Jeff. And as you probably know, we are AP Philosophy. Our purpose is to understand ethics through source-driven analysis. And today we are going to be discussing true crime and answering the question of how true crime affects the people involved. We'll be covering three sources today. A New York Times article called The Stanford Rape Case, Brock Turner, Term Blame Drinking and Promiscuity by Liam Stack. An excerpt from a book called Savage Appetites by Rachel Monroe, and an article called True Crime Shows Need to Stop Exploiting People with Mental Illness by Laura Holiday. So let's get to it. Okay, so Stanford Rape Case was a case where there was a woman, Chanel Miller, who was um, blackout drunk at a party, and she was completely unconscious, and another student, a prominent uh a prominent swimmer who was going to go for an Olympic scholarship at Harvard uh, raped her. Oh, and two people um, managed to catch him in the act and they held him down until the police got there. Good for them. Yeah, good for them. But what interested me about this case was that the media was kept mentioning how Brock Turner had so much to lose. They were going to be an Olympic swimmer after all. They never... They rarely ever focused on how much this event would scar and hurt the victim. I mean, realistically, it shouldn't matter because he's a rapist now. Exactly. He deserves to lose his scholarship, yet everyone was, um, a lot of media and even the jury was mentioning how he had so much to lose, so he shouldn't be punished as harshly. Yeah, I really believe that, like, it, no matter the scenario, it, like, if you got a lot to lose, I mean, unless you're telling me that, like, you got a, the worst backstory known to mankind where it's, like, your family, you you know, they themselves raped you, or, like, the Menendez brothers, it's, like, it's a lot... Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's sort of... Yeah, it, there's a lot more of a psychological aspect to that, but, like, this scenario, it's, like, we don't know what the heck happened in his yeah. childhood, and there's nothing to suggest that like be a precursor. Not, yeah. yeah, it's not like the Menendez brothers where it was in retaliation to years and years and years of abuse and it wasn't like a psychological aspect to it. Brock Turner did it because he felt like it. Yeah. And in his um testimony Well, well under the influence. Yeah, under the influence. Like I mean I feel like under the influence shouldn't really matter, right? Well, here's well, the here's thing. well. In my opinion, if you if you choose to go into the influence, aka going under beer, you, you yourself see any like protection well, I because mean, you because basically like you have allowed yourself to possibly give up control. And even though he was under the influence, he in his testimony, all he brings up is that he was under the influence. In his like parole testimonies, like. I will work to help um, change the college culture of drinking and promiscuity. He never truly mentions, oh, I have ruined this person's life and I will work to letting people know about how we shouldn't rape people. What he instead says is that I'm going to stop the drinking and promiscuity culture. He still refuses in some ways to take responsibility for how he hurt Chanel Miller, for how he scarred her for life with his reckless actions. It wasn't just drinking. He 
I feel like what's most telling is that even though he was under the influence, he still ran away after those two people found him. It wasn't like he was completely unaware of what he was doing. He knew what he was doing is wrong while under the influence. Well, but I mean, you have to keep in mind, he he was sober enough to run away. Exactly. He, he was, was sober, sober enough, enough to, run, to away. run away. He knew what he was doing was yeah. wrong, so he wasn't like blackout drunk like how she was. Not like how that person who he abused, not that person who he completely scarred. Chanel Miller brings this up in her her response to his probation testimony, is that he does try and make himself seem like the victim, and that the media, the jury, all made Brock Turner seem like a victim of environment and alcohol. Like, oh, he's going to lose his Olympic scholarship, let's not punish him as harshly. He served three months for sexual assault he got out three months with good behavior mm -hmm. and even though he didn't display any remorse for his actions the judge the jury the media everything seemed to be more geared to uh, blaming almost ignoring what Brock Turner what Brock Turner did and that honestly I believe shows a lot of unconscious, maybe, sexism of yeah. a lot of the people on the jury. I can't even imagine how Chanel Miller felt at this moment. She, she probably smelled like, probably felt like so small and powerless. I know, because what can you do in that situation? The jury, the justice system failed her. Yep. Because this person only serves three years and gets out by saying, oh, I'm going to work really hard to inform people about this issue. And it does reflect undertones of sexism in the media and the justice system. It's an ethical double standard. Because mm -hmm. as Chanel Miller brought up, if she was raped by someone who wasn't white, who's someone who was a minority, or someone who wasn't as prominent as Brock Turner, they would have done more time. And just because it is the same action, so they deserve to serve the same time. Yeah. Well, I feel like this is a good opportunity to... Let's kind of switch gears and move to how true crime can be detrimental to those who are victims. And all crime all the time is the article that I read. And it talked about how true crime can be detrimental to those who are victims or related to the victims due to stuff like memorabilia. Memorabilia is a huge issue because it glorifies the victim and turns a real life horror into just a mere story. So like it mitigates the importance of the true crime story. I and definitely would agree on that part. I mean, like... It's sort of disgusting. Like, I mean, it gets so bad to the point where there's like enamel pins of Ted Bundy's Volkswagen Beetle, iPhone cases that depict Dahmer's face. Like, these are all serial killers or murderers. Like, why are we idolizing them like they're some kind of celebrity? Yeah, just imagine if your family member was murdered by a serial killer and then you see that serial killer's face on pins and phone cases. How it's glorifying and commodifying these cases. Mm -hmm. Making them feel less small. Yeah. Making them feel more small. I mean, just to make a petty penny. Exactly. I mean, it, I mean, like, hey, man, if, I like, I, morally, like, I disagree with it, but like on a like living level, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do to survive. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, if, if that's if that's in my opinion, if that's your business, yeah. I mean, ethically, right. you gotta live with that. Yeah, you, you gotta, gotta live, live with, with what you, you gotta yeah. live with what you're doing and whether, to help yourself. And whether, yeah. Yeah, and whether or not that it negatively affects you is, is completely up to you. But I mean, 
Yeah, if I was it, doing it, I'd feel so guilty. I would feel this. guilty, but I mean, if it's the only way I'm gonna, you know, or it's the only reliable way, yeah. proven way that I can make money and put, you know, food on the table for my family and whatnot, then it is what it is, right? I mean, yeah, I understand the hustle, but I mean, it, it, it's more of a people problem, like the consumer. Yeah, it, it definitely is more of a consumer problem. What freak wears a Ted Bundy phone yeah, case? It's I mean, it, it, yeah, it. <laughs> If you're buying it, well then, I mean, you're disappointed. That's that's a huge thing. The the, the, the supplier, mm -hmm. or the, you know, the producer. It's more concerning that the supplier yeah. has such a big yeah. market. You know. But, all right. Yeah. So, furthermore, mm, I mean, to wrap that up, it's like it this just mitigates the severity of the case, and people just don't take it as seriously as it should. Um, moving on. The writer of this passage also said that women find pleasure in hearing these accounts, which shows that they're actively enjoying this material instead of using it as something that could protect them. Um, they're, they're not doing it to like prepare themselves, they're doing it just for entertainment purposes. Right. Yeah, doesn't this yeah. mean, isn't this like this author's account of mm -hmm. their experience at CrimeCon, mm -hmm. which true crime is primarily a female audience. I just think it's very interesting that there is the argument that they use it for self that it can be used for self-defense, which I really like, like learning how to protect yourself. That's smart. But I feel like in most cases, it's just used as entertainment. Exactly, Because like, yeah. also, like, we know that some people, like, fall asleep to this, and it's, like, almost relaxing to them, but there's no reason why the story of someone's murder or, like, downfall should be... Mm -hmm. A bedtime lullaby, right? Yeah, very, in my, very desensitizing. In my opinion, yeah. man, if it really was educational, we should watch Dahmer in school. Maybe. I don't want to watch Dahmer in school. <laughs> well, I mean, in the end, all in all, this is just very insensitive to the victim, the victim's family, and the close ones. And it just ties in with the theme that, like, the crime isn't seen as seriously as it should be. Yeah, this is really focusing on how the consumer and also how the media Mm -hmm. can negatively affect yep. people's perception of true crime yep. by commodifying and lowering the importance of these cases. Yeah. All right. So to wrap it up, and then just one more thing, it's true crime is just further idolized and monetized by people who sell books on Ted Bundy and the Zodiac Killer. Because I remember in the article, it stated that like how this one person kept on trying to sell her books on it. And it just shows that uh, people just try to monetize it and capitalize on these victims' stories. And... Towards the end of the passage, the author also states that she tried to be, she tried to role play how the victim was, as because she, it mentions how she felt like she was inside the narrative after reading about the torture story, and this is just ridiculous because she will never really understand the fear of being tortured, and she also goes as far to cosplay the event by putting on a blindfold to feel like she was being tortured, and this, again, maybe, it could be like her trying to like actually herself in that person's shoes but then i feel like you will never truly understand the fear of being kidnapped and tortured yeah. i mean isn't there literally I, I remember seeing on tiktok there, there's this guy um who said he was day one of being jeffrey dahmer i woke up <laughs> and, and that and is Dahmer's. the edgiest you, did thing you see I, that no i didn't that's like the edgiest yeah. thing i've ever and the, heard and the fact that it was on my for you page even though i don't I mean, like sometimes I watch true crime, but like not often. But yeah, but, but I mean, just that it's on my for you page, yeah, exactly. and, and I hardly watch it. So like, imagine know. waking up and you see that in your for you page. Like, that's not pleasant. I don't know. I mean, that's my opinion. That's messed up. All right, so I think it's a good opportunity to move on to our next segment, Jeffrey. It's all you, man. All right, man. All right, so this my part is kind of going to build off of Brandon's, but honestly, um, this is more on the mental side of it. 
and it, it sort of goes into the general impact, but generally, while it may seem only the perpetrator's lives are ruined, victims' lives are ruined as well, right? So as we saw with Chanel Miller, you know, she kind of, uh, she's basically mentally scarred for life, you know what I mean? It's like, you can't, you can't fix being angry, and then it's like, you know, the trauma, you know? Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, any anytime it's alluded to in media, and it's alluded to a lot in media, right? Especially romance stuff and, and abuse and whatnot, it like like you know you can get flashbacks and PTSD. It just it's just everywhere and, and it definitely isn't pleasant on the mental side. But in terms of mental illness, I, I think we can talk about Elisa Lam, who is pretty infamous. Well, it, it's pretty. I don't know how you could even describe that. Like the like it's not infamous. Overall. It's not famous. Yeah. You know? What I've heard. What I've seen it's about just a the case. Known case. Yeah, I mean? because I saw so many YouTube videos when I used to watch a couple of true crime videos when I was like in the third grade. Okay, and buddy. I think it was pretty bad, but <laughs> I would be watching a Minecraft video and then I'd turn on the true crime. It would be such a shift in tone. Yeah, Chris, yeah, Chris Hansen, bro. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, it was um, about the Lisa Lamb case and it tried directly linking it to supernatural things. So for the longest time I was like, oh, this is a weird case without explanation, but there's a very logical explanation. Jeffrey, you want to explain that? So, um, a lot of it is because, a lot of what can be explained is that Elisa Lamb had bipolar and symptoms of psychotics due to hallucinations. And really it kind of shows that like, okay, maybe she wasn't really mentally there, especially in her final moments when there's a, a pretty well-known video in the community of her just like looking out and being very cautious and sort of a bit like, you know, you she don't think that someone's following yeah, her. Yeah, you don't really know what's going on in it, really. And only she knows and she's dead, right? Yeah. So that's kind of she the She drowned in the water tower, right? Uh, yeah, so what happened was that um, she was found... What happened was that the people were complaining about the water quality. And then when they checked the water tank, they found her body. And mm -hmm. so the problem is that it, her autopsy is pretty graphic. It goes into a lot of detail, mm -hmm. like like whether or not she was raped and, um, you know, like from Marx and whatnot, um, her, her entire body. And, and, and that's kind of just embarrassing, in my opinion, you know, like, you're, like your entire body is basically being described in vivid detail. I mean, should that even be allowed? I feel like I feel like it should I, be I mean, allowed it, to the public. I don't think the public needs to know the autopsy, really. Yeah, they, well, I, I mean, like there's a lot. We should stuff know like, the facts of the case, but a specific mm -hmm. autopsy detailing every detail. Yeah. If she was an adult, right? Because uh, if she's an adult, then she can choose who gets to see her medical records and stuff like that. Yeah, like stuff like this yeah, shouldn't she, be publicly released. Yeah, family gets to decide. But there's, there's also a lot of there's also HIPAA, so like patient protection and everything yeah i mean it's not like jfk's you know <laughs> autopsy where it's like you know okay it's like everybody saw JFK. yeah i get like i, I mean, mean i think it was pretty visible it, it, yeah it, it's still pretty embarrassing but like you know with their headphone off but i mean yeah like, like this is a to me i wouldn't want my autopsy yeah this is review. a different level and this is sort of kind of leads into the general idea of like well when when you die do you want to be known as basically in this community completely of millions that oh yeah, I'm this guy that 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 was known for this weird case and and because now you realize yeah. so much more than that. Yeah, and so like Elisa Lam, she wasn't you know people aren't going to know her as this girl who was blogging and went to the University of British Columbia. They're going to know her as this girl who just died in a tank. You know, with and people are going to try and link her to supernatural cases yeah, it, online. It, that disgusts me. Yeah, mm -hmm. and um, I sort of have another case on this. Um, sort of out of pocket, but um, Travis Alexander. So 
what happened was that um, he was actually, so what happened is that it's, it's sort of like a stalker story. And in the moments leading up to his death, he had, you know, in the horse with, with a woman and... The rape charge? So, so yeah, so what happened was that there was a lot of... Well, no, he didn't rape her. They just had, it was regular sex. Okay. So like consensual and whatnot. So the problem with that is that he was, the girl was hoping that, so Travis was going on a vacation and then they were hoping that they, that, and the girl was hoping that she would be taken along, but Travis was taking someone else. And then she got mad supposedly. And eventually she, he was in the shower when she attacked him. So eventually she shot him somehow that, you know, the details are, are awkward, but overall, um, she, there were a few pictures of Travis that, you know, that of him naked and whatnot. And unfortunately, those are in the those are in the public, you know. And that just feels a bit disgraceful, you know, because yeah. there's someone who's who is so much more. A person is always going to be more than their case. I'm not saying that people shouldn't know about true crime cases. I believe that we should, but. It's this idea of your very personal information becoming public. Especially your fun moments, man. That's yeah. just weird. So, overall, fellas, what's the conclusion? All right, so, conclusion time. <clears throat> yeah. So, overall, this is a good time to reflect on our actions as just human beings. And, again, there's a good balance between morality and just pure entertainment. We shouldn't... Entertainment isn't wrong, um, but... If we're doing this at the sake and like the cost of innocent people, then I feel like we need to take a stand back, look at this from a bigger view, and kind of like learn that we are harming people, and that just we need to learn to respect the people linked cases as opposed to just making assumptions about facts. And then like again, like entire legacies can become tarnished, and this just messes up everything yes. because of media and because how cases are really handled. It ain't yeah. fiction. Uh, it is in fiction, yeah. You know, it ain't it ain't Star Wars. Anymore. Yeah. Because most of us won't be able to prevent corruption in the justice system, like with the uh, Brock Turner case, I think that the way we can help prevent these cases from being commodified, simplified, and protect the legacy of the people behind these cases is by analyzing the facts of the case, not making assumptions about the case with Elisa Lamb, like with Elisa Lamb, and maybe not buying a Ted Bundy iPhone case, which I don't think is a sentence I thought I would ever have to say in my entire life. So, fellas, I think we have come to the collective agreement that it is morally messed up, and, uh... Just be careful what you enjoy, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, true crime is good for analysis, but when we start commodifying the victims, when we start making assumptions about them, when we start analyzing their very private information, like, we, we don't need to know that. There's certain things we don't need to know, and the fact that we get entertainment based off these people's very private lives, the fact that we get products based on these people's private lives, that shows how true crime negatively affects the victim. I mean, I, I think that's just humans naturally, you know, with like, got, like, naturally we enjoy gossip, you know, we, we want to know what Kylie Jenner's baby's going to be and whatnot, but, you know, overall, humans, humans are naturally evil. We're not, well, so naturally evil, but again, <laughs> if we're talking about philosophy, like Hobbes <laughs> and Locke both thought that, so yeah. 
All right. Well, it looks like it's the it's time for us to end our segment. So thank you for listening to AP Philosophy. This was Brandon. Uh, this is Trish. Jeff. Uh, thank you.